five, four, three, two, one, boom, we're live. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to episode 142 of the G Meeker MMA show. It is beautiful. June 6th, 2018. Welcome into the month of June. May went by in the blink of an eye. July is coming up around the corner. And my birthday is on July 2nd, motherfucker. So, good God, I'm going to be old. My birthday's coming up. My girlfriend's birthday's coming up. We're both July babies. So, July is going to be a pretty, pretty jam packed month. Appreciate you guys here for joining me here on this episode. We got a lot of great shit to talk about. Obviously, UFC 225 is underway this weekend from the sh- in Chicago. UFC 225 has got to be the best fucking card of the goddamn year. For fuck's sakes, I mean, look at this card stacked up from top to bottom. Title fights, two title fights, and then all the rest of the fights on that card are not are fights you can't miss. I mean, you got Curtis Blades versus Alistair Overeem on heavy and at heavyweight. You got in the main event Robert Whitaker taking on Yoel Romero in the rematch from their first fight. Anticipated fight was a great fight the first time around. It was a very close fight. It was a fun fight. We got to see that. We finally get to see Colby Covington in the spot that he wants to be, a spot that he's been dreaming about since he became a fighter fighting for a world title in the UFC and he's doing it all the best in the best ways against a very dangerous competitor, very dangerous fighter, former UFC lightweight champion Rafael Dos Santos. That's going to be an excellent fight. I can't wait to see what's going to happen in that fight. There's so many answers to be answered in this kind of fight. It, it, it's it's a dangerous fight for Colby. It's a dangerous fight for Rafael, you know, regardless of the winner or loser. There is one winner in this fight, and this one winner will gain access and will punch their ticket to fighting the champion, Tyron Woodley, later on this year. So that should be an excellent fight. Um, The return of CM Punk taking on Mike Jackson. And speaking of CM Punk, I looked at this little highlight video that the UFC put out, you know, the preview, UFC 225 preview. And it wasn't the countdown show, but it was the CM Punk highlights. And I was looking at his striking and good fucking God, his striking looked stellar. His striking, he looked good. His striking looked good. I just don't know how it's going to fare against a guy who's already had plenty of amounts of striking experience. I mean, former professional boxer, Mike Jackson, is, is no joke. As it is, obviously, he's an 0-1-1 fighter. They're both 0-1-1s. I mean, for fuck's sakes, like I was saying, CM Punk has never had an MMA bout up until he fought in the UFC. He hadn't had any 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 um, experience whatsoever. Obviously, he did some jujitsu and all that, but anything else, he, he really didn't have too much experience. So him going up against an undefeated, you know, a young prospect in the form of Mickey Gall was kind of a crazy thing for him. And good God, he got thrown in with the Wolves and he got his ass mauled, but his striking looked better. I, I'm curious to see this fight's getting excellent. I, I, this fight, this previewing it, thinking about it, I want to see what he has. I want to see if Mike Jackson's ground game is close to what CM Punk is. Because let me tell you something. This is going to sound absolutely crazy right now. But if if CM Punk can utilize his takedowns, obviously former professional wrestler, but 
you know, not legitimately, not didn't grow up wrestling like, you know, like a Ryan Bader or something like that. But if he does find a way to get Mike Jackson, put Mike Jackson on his back, put Mike Jackson on the canvas and, you know, control him and, and use use his phenomenal jujitsu skills to, you know, dominate him on the ground. I don't know how good Mike Jackson's game is. Obviously, you didn't really get to see too much of him because his last fight was at UFC 207 over two years ago. And he initially was cut from the UFC following that loss. They just brought him back because, they're, you know, CM Punk was wanted the Chicago card when it first got announced that the UFC was uh, going to Chicago. So he had posted initially that he would want to be on this card. And then that kind of halted that kind of uh, stirred up the comeback. You know, nobody knew if CM Punk was going to come back after that two Oh three loss. I think UFC two Oh three to Mickey Gall or two Oh seven. I think, yeah, one of those two, Um, no one knew if he was going to come back or anything. So, you know, it's great to have CM Punk back. He's on the pay-per-view main card. So, you know, he, he topples Alistair Overeem and Curtis Blades, moving them to the main card on F, the FS1 prelims. But other than that, you know, I'm excited for this card. There's great fights on there. Return of Joseph Benavidez taking on Sergio Pettis. Um, Holly Holm versus Megan Anderson. We get finally get the long-awaited debut of former Invicta FC featherweight champion, Megan Anderson and with Megan Anderson grasping a win over the former champion Holly Holm that should punch her ticket directly into a Chris Cyborg fight you know I've heard talks of Amanda Nunes versus Chris Cyborg and that fight has fallen through the fight hasn't happened this that's an excellent fight two of the best female strikers in the world two of the best fighters on the planet you know bad so at Bantamweight, Amanda Nunes has done stellar, amazing things. She's fought and beaten a lot of the best women fighters. Obviously, she's on a different level now. And, you know, she's made some drastic improvements in her UFC tenure and throughout her mixed martial arts career. So we thought that initially would be the fight against the best pound-for-pound women's fighter on the planet, Chris Cyborg. That fight didn't initially go through. So now that that fight didn't initially, initially go through, we have an option and a chance and an opportunity if Megan Anderson is successful this Saturday night to see home. I mean, Chris Cyborg versus Megan Anderson, which is likely the direction the UFC is going to go in next time around. That card is stacked from top to bottom. I repeat it. Like Andre Orlovsky versus Tai Tuivasa. I'm trying to look at the card. I want to know who else is on that card. Let me look. UFC 225 is like the most stacked card you have on this fucking roster right now this whole fucking year of cards there's not gonna be a better card than ufc 225 and i have a damn good feeling that that card is definitely gonna deliver obviously there's a lot of marquee names on there there's a lot of marquee fights okay an event we got robert whitaker yoel romero dosan jose versus covington featherweight megan anderson versus holly home Andre Olofsky versus Tai Tuivasa, undefeated Tai Tuivasa. CM Punk versus Mike Jackson. Who is, and there's a report that ESPN put out. Who is Mike Jackson and why is he facing CM Punk? Obviously ESPN. Come on, ESPN. With the UFC partnering with them and all that, they should know who Mike Jackson is at least. But we got a lot of great, we got a lot of great fucking fights on that card. I can't wait for it. So... We're going to get into the co-main event. I, I want to jump right back into the fight between Colby Covington and Rafael Dos Anjos. I mean, you look at Rafael Dos Anjos' UFC career, he's looked absolutely phenomenal. You know, obviously he's had some setbacks. He came in there. He 
He went on this incredible run at lightweight. He was a potential challenger for the formerly, you know, former champion Anthony Pettis, who was on the hot streak right there, and he was on top of the mountain at the time, you know, being on the cover of the Wheaties box, being, being, you know, popular, coming over from the WEC, landing that Showtime kick on Benson Henderson. He just, he was just on top of the world. He was the man. He was really dressing in nice suits. He was, he was, you know, on top of the world. You know, he was, he was the man at lightweight. You know, he beat the the great Benson Henderson. He was the guy to go and and put an end to Benson Henderson's great reign at lightweight, which would consisted of of a title defense against Frankie Edgar, Nate Diaz, um, Gilbert Melendez. Um, I don't know if it was Josh Thompson. No, he he fought Josh Thompson, but he didn't. It wasn't for a title. But you know, he he Benson Henderson was is one of the best lightweights on the planet. So for Anthony Pettis to come in and do that, that was amazing. Rafael dos Anjos beats Anthony Pettis, becomes a lightweight champion, and protect, and, and fights former Bellator lightweight champion Eddie Alvarez. Eddie Alvarez defeats Rafael dos Anjos. He stops him. Eddie Alvarez becomes a man. Conor McGregor, obviously in the in the in the limelight, being at featherweight at the time, you know, wanting to win two belts in two organizations, uh, not two organizations, excuse me. He wanted to win a belt in another weight class, preferably the weight class above, because Connor wouldn't go in any other weight class other than 155 or 170. So he, he initially jumped two weight classes because those two fights with Nate Diaz. But what I'm saying is he jumped up to 155, dismantled Eddie Alvarez, became the champion, didn't defend it for a while. The UFC puts up an interim title fight, or, uh, I think an interim title fight at first, and then they promoted it to the undisputed title fight between Tony and Habib. That fight falls through. That doesn't happen. Habib fights Ally Quinta, becomes the undisputed lightweight champion, and here we are. Now, Rafael dos Anjos is up a weight class. So going back to Rafael dos Anjos, he is up at 170 pounds, and ever since he's been there, he has wrecked shop, dispatching Tarek Safadine, um, running through Neil Magny the way he did, and uh, beating breeding Robbie Lawler in one of the most excellent performances of his entire career. I mean, his his ability to put his combos together, and his ability to you know chain the combinations together. He's so well rounded. He's good. He's good everywhere. He has excellent takedowns. He has excellent striking, and he has phenomenal jujitsu. He's good in all areas, and the way he was able to chain all those combinations, I think he threw like 40-plus punches against Robbie Lawler. I don't know if you guys remember that famous exchange in that fight where he was just landing and landing and landing, just just putting it on Robbie Lawler. Robbie Lawler, being as tough as he is, was able to stand and take all that punishment, unfortunately, but, you know, showed, in, showed the heart and spirit of ruthless Robbie Lawler and also showed the fantastic, you know, pace of Rafael Dos Anjos and his excellent cardio. He has a lot, he has really good cardio. Obviously in Mexico City, he didn't go his way against Ferguson, but you know, now he, he, he learned from his losses and now he's fighting a very dangerous guy, Colby Covington. You know, Colby isn't the best striker. He's not known for his striking. You know, he's, he's more known for his grinding, his, his, his suffocating kind of pace. You know, he's a wrestler. He's a great wrestler. Um, you know, he obviously has striking. He has great submissions, too. But we don't really know of him as a striker. So when we see Rafael Dos Anjos and we see Colby Covington, we think, if, if what is Colby going to do to Dos Anjos? If he doesn't get him on the ground, if he doesn't control him, if he doesn't tire him out, 
then it's going to be uh, a really interesting night for Colby. Not, I, I'm not saying, I don't think Colby Covington's by any chance is going to knock Dos Anjos out or anything or have the edge in the striking department. I just think that his grappling and his wrestling could be d- keys to what Dos Anjos is mainly, you know, you know, his main fault, you know, obviously Dos Anjos had this fight against Habib and he was taken down repeatedly. He was just dominated, out-grappled, out-wrestled and just completely dominated. And now we look at Dos Anjos taking, facing another gra- great grappler in the form of Colby Covington. You know, Colby Covington's nowhere near what Habib was, but, you know, that's Co- Covington's key uh, keys to victory. That's his bread and butter. Go straight to the wrestling, wearing him down, beating him up, and you know potentially, you know, obviously he outstruck Damian Maya on the feet last time, but you know that was a withered Damian Maya, a forty-year-old Damian Maya, you know Damian Maya kind of out the door versus you know in his absolute prime, Rafael Dos Anjos, who looks absolutely amazing, you know, wrecking shop at one hundred and fifty-five pounds, and um, wrecking shop, but also at um at 170 pounds as well, which he has been. I mean, I'm excited. Like, I'm excited. You know, Dos Anjos has looked absolutely amazing. And also, you know, on the other side, in the blue corner, for Colby Covington, if he is the man to defeat Hoffield Dos Anjos and put an end to his uh, dominance at 170 pounds, that instantly punches a ticket for chaos Colby Covington to fight his rival, former teammate Tyron Woodley. I don't know if you guys have heard about that. He's been talking about Woodley for quite some time. Putting out some interesting uh, accusations. Saying that he broke Tyron Woodley in training. That they had to be broken up. He had to be broken up because Tyron Woodley didn't want any more of what Colby was bringing. And that's another thing when I was saying. He he brings this really crazy pressure to to fights. And he, he has the ability to break guys down. I mean, he, he beat Dong Young Kim, who's one of the most unpredictable, flashy, you know, wild strikers, also with knockout power. And he beat Damian Maya. And other than that, he's beaten everyone else. And obviously, his one loss to Warley Alves. But, um, good fucking God, this tea's good. It's green tea, mixed berry, mixed berry green tea, Lipton. It's the only kind of green tea I fuck with. Um, but you could, um, you can say that, you know, obviously his last two opponents, he out grappled, you know, the stun gun was a creative striker, judo background. He out grappled a judoka and Dong Young Kim's judo was absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, he neutralized that and he also neutralized another grappler, grappler versus grappler. You know, he, he beat Damian Maia on the feet. Damian Maia wasn't able to take Colby down. Colby's a very strong wrestler for a lot of people that don't know. He's very strong, and he he also, obviously, comes from one of the best teams in the world, if not the best team in the world. American top team, has the best coaches in the world, Dan Lambert, um, trains with great guys like Jorge Masvidal. I mean, got good guys there like Dustin Poirier. I don't really necessarily see those two hang out, but um, it's th- that gym is a hotbed of all the best talent from all over the world. So, you know, he has the best team behind him, the best coaches. So I'm not saying Colby's going to get ran through or anything like that. I'm just curious to see how this fight plays out because it's such an inter- interesting fight stylistically. And I love everything about this fight as well as everything about this card. 
I have a friend said that he was going to call into work just so he can watch UFC 225. And that's a damn good reason to do it because that's this is such an amazing card. It's like Christmas came early. This, this should be like a December card. This fight, this fight card, I, this fight card has been put, been put together for a while now, and we've been waiting for it as fans, as podcasters, and then as analysts, we've been waiting for this kind of fight card to to amass. This is kind of like a UFC 200 card. This is a dream card. This is one of the best cards of all time. Now, for sure, there's obviously some other cards that are that are. I think Jeremy Stevens versus Jose Aldo. I I forgot what 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 fight card that's on, but damn, there is some good UFC fights coming up, and you know as we start to get deeper in to the world of mixed martial arts, well not not the world of mixed martial arts, but like when we start to get deeper into this new UFC era, things are going to start to change, and what I mean by that is you know how people are using they're promoting themselves. You know, using the talking, you know, talking, talking, and talking, you know, the Conor McGregor thing. The Conor McGregor, I was, sorry, I was in the car. Um, Yeah, that's the best best part about this fucking podcast. You can bring it anywhere you want. Um, The Conor McGregor effect, that's what we call it. So ever since everybody's, everybody's been using that, they've been more vocal about fighter pay. They've been, they've been more, you know, They've been more, uh, like, you know, vocal and, you know, a lot of fighters have been negotiating a lot more. A lot of fighters have been going to other organizations. Other fighters have been uh, filling, uh, they're, uh, not filling, excuse me. Um, they're, I can't think of the fucking word. They're fighting out their contracts because they want to see. This is a money game. This is a prize fight. So a lot of these people are prize fighters. So you want to go where the most money is. If you go where the most money is, financially, you're going to be set for a long time. For however long you choose a fight, if you want to go somewhere that pays you a lot better, you're going to be financially stable for when you're done fighting. And that's what a lot of these guys' goals are, which I'm so I'm happy to see a lot of these guys, certain guys having their own gyms, um, doing um, seminars, training people like, you know, Uriah Faber's gym. Um, you know, a lot of people have their own gyms. Um, TJ Dillashaw, Cub Swanson, all, all these fighters, a lot of these fighters have their own gyms and, you know, gyms they train at and gyms that they coach out of. A lot of these fighters are coaches as well for younger fighters and all that too. So, it's pretty awesome, you know. It's it's it, it's going to be a big game changer, and that's why I was going back to UFC two twenty five. I'm saying that a lot of the fights we get now are going to be absolute barn burners. They're going to be phenomenal fights, and they're going to be fights that we're all looking forward to seeing. And I honestly, I can't fucking wait. I, I I'm I'm going to be all deep inside of a uh, UFC two twenty five, and that's going to be a great um great fucking fight card. But okay, ladies and gentlemen, moving on to more UFC action, post-UFC action, a recap of last weekend's UFC fights. UFC wrapped up its trip to Utica, New York, and the main event was Marlon Moraes taking on Jimmy Rivera, 21-1 and at the time. Jimmy Rivera on a 25 winning streak at the time. Marlon Moraes delivers a beautiful switch kick from hell and dispatches of, I think it was 33 seconds or 44 seconds. One of those two. It was like 33 seconds in the first round. 
And good God, nobody thought that would happen. Nobody thought that Marlon Marias would be able to, 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 I mean, obviously people thought maybe he could win necessarily, not win in that kind of fashion that quickly. That's a thing. And for him to do that, wow, he just punched his ticket to a world championship level fight. Give him either Dominic Cruz next or give him the winner of Cody versus TJ. That's that that seems like that seems like the most logical option. There's no other fucking option. He just beat one of the best guys in the division as well as almost as beat a guy who was on a twenty five winning streak. Who was chomping at the bit to get a title shot. He's been campaigning for a long time. He campaigned to fight TJ, he campaigned to fight um uh, Dominic Cruz that, those didn't happen they originally were supposed to fight before that didn't fall through um, Jimmy um, something about the weight or something Marlon couldn't make the weight and he said something about it being on his terms so that didn't happen this fight finally happened and boom Marlon Marias should be the number one contender after this fight so I'm curious to see what's going to happen with Cody versus TJ. That's also a phenomenal card. That's going to be in Los Angeles. I can't wait to see this fight. It's going to be excellent. Yeah, Cody versus TJ2 rematch. And now we get to see what Marlon Marais can do with the best of the best. Obviously, Jimmy Rivera. Um, you know, Jimmy, obviously, being as good as he is, I've always praised Jimmy. I've always talked highly of Jimmy. I, I sent him a lot of encouraging tweets. I sent him a couple tweets after the fight. Um, I just didn't see Jimmy fighting a guy in the top three. That's the thing. He didn't fight, uh, like a, a like a dominant Cruz or, uh, you know, he wanted to, that's the thing, but he didn't fight a dominant Cruz or, uh, a John Lineker or a, a, a Cody Garbrandt. He fought. Obviously, no, I'm not, I'm not saying Mar Marlon Marias. He fought Marlon Marias and he lost. And what I'm saying about Marlon is Marlon is the first probably high-class fighter other than Faber, obviously. But Faber was kind of on a, on his way out, kind of, respectively. Um, but Marlon was the first top, top fighter that Jimmy really had fought in the UFC. And we've seen what happened. No, obviously, it was 44 seconds, though, so... You, know, you can't judge a man on 44-second loss. You know, he was all class and defeat. He, he gave props to Marlon. Massive respect for both 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 parties. And uh, it was a great it was a great one. Uh, I don't know if Jimmy wants to come back right away. Obviously, it was a TKO. You know, we did campaign that it was an early stoppage. But I, I thought it was maybe like one second, maybe like a millisecond early. But, you know, all, all the best to Jimmy. And, you know, great job on the referee for stopping it because, you know, that early stoppage could save you a few brain cells and you could be happy that you can keep your fighting career go going a little, little bit longer. So, like I said, I can't wait for Marlon Marias to finally, um, you know, I want to see what's next. I want to see what the UFC is going to do. I do think he deserves maybe a middle, maybe, maybe not a what the hell I was going to say middle. I think he deserves definitely a main event or maybe a co-main event and another big fight, maybe against a dominant Cruz or something like that. Cause I want to see, how I'm, I haven't seen fucking Dominic Cruz fight since UFC 207. 
the one when Ronda Rousey fought Amanda Nunes and Amanda Nunes destroyed Ronda Rousey. Co-main event, Cody defeats Dominic Cruz by a unanimous decision. I don't know what the fuck he's doing. I don't know what's going on, but, you know, I'd like to see that fight. Uh, it's kind of annoying because we, we don't know. He's not updating really uh, us on everything that's going on. You know, the last known thing was that he was going to wait for a title shot and see what happens. And, you know, he wants to... He wants to get his belt back, and yet he wants he wants to fight. But you know, you can't sit on the on the sidelines and and not do that. Obviously, he has the the UFC on uh, UFC commentating gigs and all that, and um, you know he's on UFC tonight, and you know he's a busy man. He's always training and stuff. That's good. But I don't know if he's nursing an injury or anything like that. But we haven't seen Dominic Cruz fight in a long ass time, and that would be an excellent fight for Jimmy because you know they're both coming off of losses. Now's the time, you know, Jimmy was going after Dominic Cruz when he was on a 25 winning streak. Um, now that Jimmy has lost in the UFC for the first time and, and, and being knocked out and finished in his first, uh, first ever time in his career, in his life, he, this is an opportunity to put both these fights together. And no, Jimmy's one other loss was by split decision. So this is his only loss in his, his, his 22 fight winning, uh, 22 fight career was a split decision and a knockout loss to Marlon. So whatever's next for, for Jimmy, I, I, I'm behind it. I really want to see Dominic Cruz. I want to see that, that fight, the Dominic Cruz fight. And whatever else, you know, I'm, I'm excited for Marlon. I'm excited for everything that's, that's to come. I'm excited for UFC in Los Angeles. I wish I could go to that one. That's only six hours away from me. And um, that would be a stellar fight to go and watch. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, before you get back to any UFC action, I wanted to... Uh, talk about some other stuff I've been, I've been watching on youtube okay this is like the first real time i've really done this so much in my entire life but I, i'm a theories person and i a couple weeks ago i talked about the avengers i just i mean i've seen the movie in theaters uh three times it was great all three times the first time i felt like every there's so much stuff going on at once it was the most amazing part of the movie you know the portrayal of thanos was absolutely amazing and you know how late I am to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I looked and never knew that Thanos was planned from the very beginning. I never watched. The, I knew. I never used to watch the ending credits. And you got to think back in two thousand eight was a long ass time ago. I was a tiny little kid, so I never thought about it like that. And if I was an adult and if I was a hardcore fanboy like I am now. By the way, I just bought a Black Panther action figure, ten dollars. He's he's super tall too. He's a match Thanos. I need him. I need someone that's the same height as Thanos to fight each other. Now they're they're just for my display. I have a whole bunch of Avengers Infinity War um, action figures that are all on the display. My girlfriend gave me this beautiful coloring box too. So uh, it has it's like a tin it's like a tin can coloring box. You know those those hard metal um, boxes that has Avengers uh, Age of Ultron. Iron Man, Thor, Hulk, and um, Captain America on there as well. But um, going back to what I was saying, I, I loved the portrayal of Thanos. I loved the way Infinity War was. Necessarily not the ending. You know, I, I it's just, you know, most superhero movies, boom, we win with the, the superheroes on top. But, like, the ending was just so depressing. It was so drastic. Everybody died. Half the universe got swept away with the snap of a finger due to Thanos's, you know, you know, his massive goal that he's had since the, for, for a very long time. That's the thing. I was so surprised, you know, back in 2008, I wish I would have known this, you know, it showed Thanos, you know, 2011 for the first Avengers is when they really first showed Thanos, you know, he was at the end. 
I don't know the name of the alien dude that was talking to him. You always see is Thanos get up out of the seat and turn, and you see him smile, and then you see his shiny eye, his really crazy, scary-looking eyes in that movie, which portrayed by a different actor. It wasn't Josh Brolin on that in that actor, but then in the end of Avengers: Age of Ultron, you see this door gate, this gate metal gate open. And you see the Infinity Gauntlet without any Infinity Stones in it, obviously, because before you got any of them. And he's like, fine, I'll do it myself. And he has it, puts it on, he smiles. And then we got it in the Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it was either the first one or the second one that there's, they talked a lot about Thanos in there. How Gamora is the adopted daughter of Thanos. When he arrived on a home planet, his, his, his army slaughtered half the population and he took her in as his own daughter he didn't have her killed anything like that so they talked about Thanos and and talked about the infinity stones and it was really good I, I enjoyed it it was a great movie I love the guardians of the galaxy because you know they're humor they add humor to it you know it's not all serious obviously you know not all the Marvel movies are completely serious you know you got Spider-Man Homecoming which is you know not completely serious it was really it's kind of happy you know young Peter Parker you know, in high school, you know, checking out girls, trying to impress a girl, you know, it was really, it was a really fun, it wasn't a serious vibe like the original Spider-Man's, like going back to like Iron Man, you know, you got Robert Downey Jr. with the most charismatic uh, personality on the planet, him portrays portrayal of Iron Man, his sarcasm, the way his charismatic, you know, the way how he is with everybody, you know, he's just himself, you know, he's a funny, he's an entertaining guy, and it was a, it was a great, um, it was a great portrayal, like, you know, uh, so a lot of them, like, add humor, you know, Thor Ragnarok had a lot of good humor in it, too, so that's what I'm really, that's what I really enjoy about it, and that's what I really enjoy about the Guardians, so going back to that, you know, Civil War was one of the best ones, Captain America Civil War, which isn't obviously part of the, it's a, it's called Captain America Civil War, you know, but, you know, has a lot of the Avengers, it kind of feels like an Avengers movie, because all the Avengers are, are in there, and they have big parts in there, you know, from um, Iron Man to the Winter Soldier, you know, Hawkeye, Vision, Black Widow, Wanda Maximoff, and um, obviously the debut of the Black Panther, you know, that was a part of, that was a big, big uh, turning point for everybody. Everyone was excited to see that, you know, the Black Panther, I, I definitely did enjoy that movie as well. You know, the first time I seen it, I was, you know, my head was hurting out of migraine and I was watching it and I watched it through. It was a great, it was a great movie. You know, this was the first ever movie, you know, in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and Marvel history that all african-american 99 percent of the people aside from agent uh, i forgot his name ross not agent ross i forgot the name the agent um other than that you know 99 percent of the people in that movie were all african-american you know the, the director's african-american as well as a big it's a big thing for african-american culture for them to have a, a box office breaking movie like that like the black panther you know first black superhero not first black superhero there's plenty of black superheroes like you know there's a lot of them Obviously, you know, you got, obviously, Nick Fury is a superhero in my in my opinion. You know, you got, there's a lot of actors that play superheroes that have been African-American. And don't get me wrong, this isn't about a whole race thing. It's just, it's a big moment for African-American people's culture. Because the fact is, you know, the way that the Black Panther was portrayed and all the tribes and the way that they celebrated and all that, it, it definitely showed a different, you know, it showed people what it's kind of like. 
they showed it pe- it showed people what it what it feels like to be in that kind of place you know the way that the, the traditions everything they were doing it was just a it was just an amazing uh movie overall and you know that's one of the movies that i won't get tired of you know and then i loved black panther and avengers affinity war as well it was a great movie you know unfortunately you know a lot of the people a lot of our heroes weathered away later on in the movie because of stanos's snap but you know to my knowledge i do not think that all of them will be gone because, you know, after I've been watching all these theories, and if you're a, re- a massive reader of the comic books, you'll know that, you know, maybe there's chapter in the soul world. And, you know, now what's the plan for the next Avengers? What is Tony Stark's plan? What is Captain America's plan? How are they going to unite together? Obviously, with the help of Captain Marvel and Ant-Man and Hawkeye, you know, and anybody else that wasn't destroyed in the snap, we can unite the Avengers. And if you look at the end of the movie, everybody in the Avengers movie, that was that was left were the original Avengers. You know, you got Hulk, obviously Bruce Banner because he wasn't able to turn into Hulk in that movie. But you got Bruce Banner, Hulk, you got Thor, you got Black Widow, you got Iron Man, and you got War Machine, and, and obviously Rocket, the only sur- lone survivor of the Guardians of the Galaxy in Infinity War. So you kind of basically got all the Avengers you know, everybody, all the original people they've got everybody except for, you know, Dr. Strange perished. Gamora was obviously killed by Thanos, Gru, Star-Lord, um, Drax, um, the Black Panther, the Winter Soldier, and, um, fuck the dude, the dude with the fucking, uh, the flies that has those fucking wings a black guy i forgot his name uh not a race thing that's not a race thing don't get offended but um yeah so all those guys perished and you know there's a lot of rumors and this gets to the next the better part of this next discussion is that all the theories that i've been watching and rumors for what could be next for Avengers four and what we could see happening, you know, in the Marvel cinematic universe. When you think about it, half the universe is gone and how the hell are they going to, how they're going to stack up against Thanos and, and put this together and be able to stop the mad Titan. It's definitely an interesting storyline. It's definitely interesting to see what can happen. It's definitely a year away. So we have all this time to really portray what we think will happen and talk about what happens, comes up, come up with theories on what we think will happen and what would happen later on, obviously, in the next Avengers. And there's a lot of YouTube videos, a lot of helpful stuff on there to help people kind of grasp an idea of what could possibly be next for our heroes in the next big Avengers movie. And that's the thing, you know, obviously, it's a, it's a, it's a, um, it's really, there's a lot of different theories. You can base it off the comic books. You can base it off of, um, what you hear, you can base it off of, you know, there's a lot, there's an infinity gauntlet the comic book. It really explains a lot of it, you know, it has a lot of the same, same similar things, has a lot of the storylines, you know, a lot of things that happen, you know, from, from who gets the next infinity gauntlet, you know, there was talks about the Avengers, you know, and then time traveling, you know, the quantum realm, all those different topics, you know, we see it in the first Ant-Man and we're going to see it probably a lot portrayed in Ant-Man and the Wasp. And we have Captain Marvel coming out next year, Spider-Man Homecoming. So we think about all these different um, things that are going on right now in our Marvel Cinematic Universe. And just curious to know what's going to be next, you know. Um, so the Avengers, you know, 
have to go back into a different or go back into a different um a, uh a, not a different time not go back in time i don't necessarily think because you can't you know going back in time i mean maybe they could go back and um you know you know i had rumors there's rumors there's cast pictures of them um you know wearing the original costumes so they're wearing their original costumes and you know they're going back to to see tony's disguised as a shield agent so my my guess is that they're going to go back before thanos attacked new york and they're going to go attack thanos before he's able to grasp the infinity stones and have all that massive power that he has that's my guess you know, they're going to go to a different um, universe, a different uh, time frame. I don't know what it's like, a different time frame or a different realm, a different um, universe, a different, um, like, I can't think of the fucking word. It's on the tip of my tongue. It's like, you know, there's there's a bunch of different um, realms going on at once. There's like a lot of different, like, world. There's, there's, we have a huge ass universe, so there's a bunch of different things going on all at once. You know, I could be a woman in a different fucking universe. I could be uh, something. I could be like a lawyer in a different one. There's so much different shit going on. So, like I said, going back to it, my guess is that the Avengers, you know, they go, they do, they utilize time travel. And, you know, I, I feel that's the smartest thing to do to go back, you know, in time with the help of Captain Marvel and the rest of their team. They're going to go back in time and they're going to assemble something that that's going to that's going to bring them to the, the best of the, the. The best of them that's going to bring them to where they need to be, basically, because, you know, in order to fight Thanos or, you know, obviously they tried to fight him on their own and they, they didn't obviously have all the powers of the Infinity Stone, that which added a lot more power to what Thanos has already possessed, you know, he didn't necessarily have too much power before that, you know, he was just like an average, you know, alien from a different uh, dimension, oh, a dimension, that's the word I was looking for, dimensions, it's different time, like different time dimensions and stuff, I think, I think realms, realms or dimensions, whatever the word is, but um, they're about, they're going to go up against Thanos, someone else, it's rumored that someone else wields the Infinity Gauntlet and uses that to save the world and bring everybody that was destroyed in the snap back it was that uh it was rumored that gamora's sister would be the one to do that but you know also you know with the avengers doing this and you know being the only guy only avengers that are left now due to the thanos snap there's a lot to be said and there's a lot of questions you know you know when they they have to go back they have to go to all the different um all the different places to go find the affinity stones and they've got to do that. And they've got to bring it to the different future. They got to bring it to their current generation, their current, their current world, their current, what's going on. The, their earth is destroyed basically because half the universe is gone and every half of humanity is just wiped out. So they have to bring what they got in another dimension and another realm. They got to bring that to, Earth. They've got to bring that to the current realm that Thanos has destroyed. They have to use that to fight Thanos, and they've got to use that to bring all the people back. 
because they could be very well be in the soul world. We don't know. That's what makes this whole thing really interesting. So I'm, I'm curious to know what's going to happen with that. And I really can't wait, you know, watching the Ant-Man and the Wasp in July. Um, that will be good. I'm curious to see how the rest of the Marvel movies that are coming out before Avengers play a part of the, of the snap. And I want to know how much it's going to uh, play an effect and how the storylines all fit and stuff like, you know, for the new Spider-Man homecoming and all that too. So it's really going to be interesting to see what happens. But anyways, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys listening to my Avengers talk as well. Like I said, this podcast, you know, I could talk about sports, talk about mixed martial arts, my love for the sport. And as well, we can talk about um, Avengers as well. Cause you know, it's another one of my uh, big peeves. Not like by good. It's one of it's a good. It's a it's one of my big passions. I love the I love uh, Marvel. I love talking about superheroes. I love being passionate about uh you know that you know. There's a lot of people that have channels that they, you know they talk about the spoilers. They talk about what's going on in the universe. It's basically like you know that's the coolest part about having a podcast is that you can talk about all these different things that you feel like talking about on there. That's the cool part about it. So I'm I'm pretty um. I'm pretty excited. Like I said, I can't, I can't wait to see what happens in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything else to, to come with that. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's move on along to the last part of this episode because, um, so fight picks going back to UFC 225. Whitaker versus Romero two. We're going to move on to some fight picks starting with. Alistair Overeem versus Curtis Blades. Curtis Blades, you know, has huge power in his hands. He's beaten. He's beaten a great uh, foe. Obviously, him and Overeem have a, um, a similar opponent in Mark Hunt. Overeem obviously knocked him out in the clinch, and uh, Mark Hunt lost to Curtis Blades by unanimous decision. Curtis Blades uh, did use a lot of his wrestling in that fight. Didn't necessarily stand up with Mark. He did stand up for a brief moment. You know, after Mark tagged him and hurt him little bit you know he reverted to his wrestling so it's really uh, interesting to see what what curtis blades is able to do to the dutchman alistair overeem obviously former champion in a lot of different organizations he's been on the roster for since 2011 and uh it's, it's crazy man I, I remember the debut of alistair overeem against brock lesnar where he unleashed that beautiful liver kick to the body ending brock's uh ufc career basically because you know he, Brock was out of action all the way up until UFC 200. So he goes from UFC 141 to UFC 200. And then we hadn't heard or seen anything of Brock Lesnar since then. But we've seen Alistair Overeem. He had a fantastic career in the UFC. You know, obviously he's lost just lost some fights. Um, I think he's coming off his, his he's coming off the last loss to uh, Francis Ngannou. So we're going to see how Overeem rebounds from that. Obviously, anybody that fights Ngannou will get blasted like that. So we're curious to see what happens with Curtis Blaze and Alistair Overeem. Can he take Overeem down? Can he keep him down? Can he keep his jiu-jitsu? Can he keep him from uh, using his phenomenal jiu-jitsu or his striking? You know, Overeem has great takedown defense. He has great knees. Curtis Blaze is a young athlete. He's a young guy. He's coming into this game against a very experienced guy. And I'm sure Overeem feels pressures on, you know, he's the, he's the veteran. And then we have this young hungry lion coming in there trying to shut down everything he's got. But I feel that Overeem has the edge in the striking and the grappling and grappling. If it, if it is to go there, Overeem's fought a lot of pretty good wrestlers, a lot of really good people, a lot of great fighters. And at Overeem's 60 plus fights, 
or, or like 100 plus fights in his career in, in, in combat sports, I'm sure that Curtis isn't anything that Overeem hasn't seen before, or anything that he can't handle. So I'm going to have to go with uh, Alistair Overeem beating Curtis Blades by, uh, I have to go by unanimous decision. All right. Um, and one going up to CM Punk versus Mike Jackson. Uh, I think, you know, to be safe, I have, I'm, I'm going to say, you know, it's a, I hate to go against CM, but um, I have to say that Mike Jackson will defeat CM Punk by uh, maybe by knockout, maybe by unanimous decision. Who knows what's what's going to happen? I, I, I want CM. My heart. My want CM Punk to win. I'm picking CM Punk. Okay. Officially, I'm just going to pick CM Punk, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pick CM Punk, and. My heart's with Mike Jackson, but I'm gonna. I want CM Punk to win. That would be pretty sweet. Sorry if you hear the car. I was turning on, turning uh, open in some windows. Um, but anyways, that should be um, CM uh, CM Punk. Obviously, is striking. He has improved a lot, but like I said, there's levels to this game. Mike Jackson may be 0 and 1, but he did state that he had some amateur fights on Ariel's MMA Hour show. So, you know, we do know that he is pretty experienced. He does train with some really good guys. And um, obviously, he's looking to rebound and get his UFC career back on track against the former WWE superstar, CM Punk, ladies and gentlemen. So, Mike Jackson by uh, knockout or submission. No, knockout. If he if he wins, he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna stop CM Punk. I'm curious to see how CM Punk is on the feet. I want to see if he can take a good shot to the chin. I want to see how capable he is of doing that. That will show, and we'll see what happens with that one. Um, it's very curious to know. I'm really curious to know what's going to happen with with that fight. Um, yo, I wish all the fucking best. To all those motherfuckers fighting on that card. Um, going on to the co-main event, Colby Covington versus Rafael Dos Anjos. That's the one. That one's up in the air. I like both guys. You know, I feel Rafael dos Anjos just looks absolutely amazing at 170 pounds. He doesn't have to worry about the weight cut. He doesn't have to worry about any of that stuff. So I find it good for him. You know, obviously he's very light. You know, he throws a lot of good combinations. You know, his his cardio is very good. His output's good. And just um, like I said earlier, I want to see how he does against a great grappler and Colby Covington. And I want to see if he can stop the takedowns and stop the forward pressure of Covington. And I want to see what Colby Covington's got, you know, because obviously he's talked a big game and a lot of people's minds, he, you know, they're thinking that he is biting off more than he can chew, but he has an opportunity to prove all those people wrong and, and show everybody that he is, he is the man and he wants to be the next guy to fight Tyron Woodley. He wants to be the world champion at 170 pounds. You know, he, he, he's marketed himself very well. He's done everything very well. He's did everything that he needed to do to get to where he needs to be. And now he's in a world title fight against uh, one of the best fighters on the, on the planet, Rafael Dos Anjos. So Rafael Dos Anjos has a lot of pressure on him as well, you know. Obviously, he's a great striker as well. Great takedowns, great submissions. Overall, fully-fledged mixed martial artist. So that's what makes this fight really amazing it's really phenomenal and you know the back the back back and forth the trash talk makes it really interesting so i really honestly can't really pick this is a hard one you know i i've picked covington in his last few fights i do like colby covington i am a supporter of him it's a great fight um 
I just feel Rafael dos Anjos has a massive edge in the striking department. And you got to think like a guy like Damian Maya, who Colby Covington wore down in their fight. You know, Damian Maya is not aggressive and not a dangerous. I mean, Damian Maya is obviously dangerous, but not necessarily for striking. He's more so the submission kind of guy, you know, grappling, take you down, suffocate you, pressure you, choke you out. Colby Covington obviously dismantled him on the feet. He was able to, you know, stop his takedowns and, you know, beat him up on the feet, make him bleed. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, I just don't know. I don't think Colby's going to outstrike or out or knock out Rafael Dos Anjos. So most likely, if Colby does win, he's going to use his grappling and interest his great grappling to uh, shut down the the great combos and the great striking of Rafael Dos Anjos. And he can use enough as his uh his wrestling and control to keep himself out of the dangerous submissions that Dos Anjos possesses. So my picks, I'm just going to go with Colby Covington by unanimous decision. I feel it is his time, and he, he obviously is one of the best fighters in the world, and he's out to prove some, a point to everybody. So I'm going to go with Colby Covington by a unanimous decision and punches his ticket to fight the champion, Tyron Woodley, next. Okay, dun, dun, dun. Time to move on to the main event of the evening for the world middleweight title. Middleweight Championship of the World Middleweight Champion, Robert Whitaker faces Yoel Romero in the rematch. If you notice in the first fight, Yoel Romero did hyperextend Robert Whitaker's already injured knee, and he blew his knee. I don't know if he blew his knee, but he he blew, I think he blew, he did hurt, he hurt his leg really bad. And he was, able, he was still able to stop the takedowns of, of, of Romero. I mean, Romero is an Olympic civil, silver medalist. Like, not a lot of people look at it like this, but Yoel Romero is a freak of fucking nature. He's light on his feet, too. He's a strong, thick, massively strong, very strong middleweight, you know, definitely championship-level material. For fuck's sake, he's one of the most dangerous people on the planet. You know, just the way he's able to calmly approach things. You never see him panic or anything like that. He's always has this calm, you know, kind of like lull you to sleep and then bam, he'll strike you. Obviously, Luke Rockhold and, and uh, Robert Whitaker were set to fight for the middleweight title. Obviously, uh, I think Luke, or not Luke, excuse me, Robert Whitaker was injured. So and he had a very serious injury. I think it was like something like in the stomach or something like that. So that was very dangerous, a very dangerous time for him. So Luke ended up fighting Yoel Romero, which was Yoel had came off of his loss, first loss in the UFC to Robert Whitaker. And then he gets the call to fight Luke Rockhold, destroys Luke Rockhold, knocks him out. And, you know, he's the next guy to fight Whitaker again. This is a fight we've been waiting for, and I can't wait for it. You know, both both men are real good. Robert Ricker obviously is a champion. He's looked absolutely amazing since he's been up at 185 pounds. You know, beating Jacare, uh, you know, uh, you know, destroying Derek Brunson, you know, knocking out Brad Tavares the way he did. Um, you know, obviously, and you know he hasn't lost at 185 pounds. He's undefeated. He's a middleweight champion of the world. He's an excellent fighter. Great striking, you know, great movement. Knockout power in his hands. And 
one of the most dangerous fighters on the planet. You know, I'm excited for Robert. Robert Whitaker, middleweight champion of the world, is something, you know, maybe a few years back, a lot of people necessarily didn't think could happen. You know, not, not that they weren't thinking that he could. It's just nobody saw him. He, he's a quiet guy. He was on tough. He's tough smashes winner. So in Australia, obviously, and uh, he's the one to beat Colton Smith. Colton Smith was, was shooting on Robert for dear life in that fight. I remember watching that one. Um, you know, I just thought, damn, this guy's just not going to, this guy's just unfazed by anything that this guy's doing. You know, you put, you put a lot of pressure on him. He, he's not, he's not well pressured. He, he doesn't get pressured easily. I mean, for fuck's sake, he blew his leg, his knee, and he was still able to, you know, push through. It was in the first round too. So you think he got to be, he's fighting with a freak of nature for 25 minutes. And his leg is blown out. His leg is blown out, and he has a heart, courage, and soul power to go through everything he went through in that whole entire fight and still end up winning. So I, this is a hard one. You know, obviously Robert Whitaker has looked amazing. He's looked great. Romero's looked great as well. But I think that Robert Whitaker is the younger. He's a faster. He's more calculated. And he's uh, obviously going to be a lot faster and a lot you know a lot better because obviously his knees better. He you know, feels much better. He, he obviously had Romero's number. He has good cardio. You know he put he puts a good pace on you. And you know very well this is a very very even fight. You know this is a very two of the best middleweights in that division right now. It's, it's two of the, of the best fighters. This was the biggest fight we can have in the middleweight division right now. You know now it's Robert Whitaker's division. You know it, we still get to see him fight. Um. So we, we get to see him put his title on the line. Obviously, you, he fought Romero to get the title. Didn't wasn't able to make it to his, the Rockhold fight. So now he's fighting Romero at his first title defense. And mark mark this down: this is his first time fighting someone back to back like that. So it's an excellent fight. I can't wait to do it. I, I'm picking Robert Whitaker by unanimous decision again. Maybe even could stop him, but I'm going to go with unanimous decision for Robert Whitaker. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is all time we have for today. That's all we really had planned. Episode 142 of the G Meeker MMA show. We haven't been doing segments lately. We might get back into that later on this week. Ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you guys all for joining us here on this episode. You guys know where to find me at G Meeker MMA on both on Instagram and on Twitter. Facebook.com slash Gaby Baby123. Facebook dot com slash gabriel the king hernandez g meeker mma show on instagram as well as twitter talk about fights talk about avengers talk about anything you fucking want to ladies and gentlemen i'm here for you guys and i can't wait ladies and gentlemen we will be back next week g meeker mma out baby thanks anchor radio thanks to everybody that supports me you guys are the fucking best